Yakuza. Unless you do. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is a bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That's his one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us! Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cutting of Jim, fella. Greg Excellent, Spirited Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope like a cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you didn't. Now look at that guy. You only fuck that. Black dude. This bullshit, man. Motherfucker, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J. Cat Morris, here for another edition of the show here. Uh, whatever today is, I don't even know anymore. I have been so burnt out. Um, definitely, I, I gotta be straight up. Uh, definitely been struggling mentally a bit. Um, and I, I have, I have ups. There's, there's no question about it. I'm, I'm crushing it on a lot of levels. You know, I'm really working really hard at work and. Um, you know, this this is always a rough time of year because summer is kitten season and it's not adoption season for cats because my theory has always been this. No one's really taught me this or told me that. And I've spoken to people above me and all that and they still look at you clueless. So I figured it out for myself. And it's, it's honestly the reason um, because people are outside they're on vacation, they're going here, they're going there, they're going various different places, but a cat at their house, you know, that's, now you need someone to watch the cat. Even if you're outside in the backyard and you're barbecuing and you're hanging outside, your cat's in the house, if you're a responsible pet owner, of course. Um, cat's always in the house. Um, so, 
you know, that's that's what that would be. And you're not really always thinking about adding another cat to the house. But once things start to get more towards the end of all of the festivities and uh, you're more in the house and the fall comes rolling in, adoptions immediately start skyrocketing. And it's been every single year, 20 years I've been there. And it's been doing the same thing. Last year, we benefited from the pandemic in adoptions. 250 cats we adopted out last year. So we actually benefited because the normal time where people would leave their house and not be home enough to be worrying about adding another cat, they were home now and they were stuck home and they, now they're looking and it's like, well, how am I going to fill all this time? Who knows when this is going to end? Now would be a great time to get another cat. And that really worked out. Now is scary times because we're re-entering a normal summer, but just tripled because now for two years, people haven't done what they wanted to do all year, you know, where normally they were just waiting through the cold months. Now they're waiting through all of what happened with COVID. So when people are going full on back to their normal lives, uh, another cat in the house is the last thing that's on their mind. And that's, um, that's putting us in, in, a pretty scary situation you know our our shelter is just about full and um we have everything you could possibly imagine i mean it's like i, I got a male calico right now i haven't seen a male calico in 20 years i have a male calico that's still not gotten a home and he's been there for over a month i i got blue-eyed siamese mixes i got i mean gorgeous cats super super friendly cats kittens i mean you name it i got special needs cats if you know you wanted to really you know adopt something that's you know not going to be the easiest to place i mean we have it all and it's uh i mean we got over 100 cats now but uh so it's a lot of times it's just go 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 and i'm gonna do everything that's best for the cats all day long so sometimes that means like i don't get a lunch you know or i get half a lunch or you know it's crazy it's going like start to finish and anything i could do to promote them so i'm taking pictures i'm working with their temperaments i'm helping other people work with their temperaments and um we obviously have many more cages and you know, areas to clean because we're so stocked. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's constant moving and any kind of, um, potential adopters. I, I try to make sure they get all the info that they need and, um, try to do my best to show the cats at their best. So it gives them the best shot at a new future. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. So it's nonstop running with that. And then on top of that, you know, at home, it's, you know, since since we took over this house, I've had to redo everything. Everything had to be redone. The, so much was neglected with this house for so many years. And uh, I finally had the leash off. I had the chains off and get to just do anything I ever wanted to do to this house, which it's end result is beautiful. It's end result is wonderful. Every time I get done with one of these areas that I had this dream for, but 
man, the fucking work that has to go into that. On top of doing what I just explained six days a week, I have one day off. So this is, this is what I do, you know? Um, and, and honestly, like my training has been at, at very, very minimal because I've been putting out every bit of myself physically. I, like I, I wake up with my biceps sore as hell, my back sore as hell, this, my legs, my, this, that all different days, just because the amount that I'm putting out physically, I'm fucking spent. Um, part of what I've worked on is my gym that's almost done so as soon as my gym is done my entire schedule reorganizes and the training you know resumes and again like i i've still maintained you know my strength because i'm doing so fucking much that uh yeah i'm just covering a lot of bases but uh you know so i'm doing that i'm replacing the fence in the yard um so you know a couple panels at a time and uh, I initially got the 20 panels to do them with, which I explained on one of the other podcasts. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot to that. There's a lot of just trying to get rid of the old fence, which I got to, like, chop into pieces and burn them because it's not uh, pressure-treated wood. So you can get rid of them that way because otherwise the garbage men are like, no, go fuck yourself. You can bring it to the dump or, you know, rent a dumpster or some shit that costs you more money just to get rid of something. So fuck them. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot of work. Um, the, the stuff I've done with that back bed, that's a lot of work taking care of the chickens, everything, you know, it just piles up. And on top of that, obviously there's the, the, the still very present feeling of my dog being gone. You know, it's, it just doesn't, it, that doesn't go away, you know, cause when you're out doing stuff and you're, you know, you're doing what you're doing. You're still used to right next to you. There, there she is, you know, and it's, it's, it's getting better. It's healing, you know, but in the same token, it's, it's still that, that little bit of emptiness, you know, still there while you, while you push forward and you do all the things you're doing it, um, it still just kind of hangs, but, um, yeah. So another, another garden thing, right? So I've been doing this bed and I got, I got cone flowers in there. I got a butterfly bush down the one end. I got elephant ears. I got caladiums. I got uh, all sorts of shit. Um, just like five, six more things that I, I can't remember off the top of my head that I planted in there. Grapes. Um, quite a few things. But um, so anyway, I got this all planted in there and I'm waiting for some things to just like pop the soil more or less. And once it does, I'm going to finish mulching out this uh, this bed back there probably this weekend. I'm going to mulch it out. Um, so the whole thing will be nice black mulched. I got the lattice on the back stretch. And, you know, so I'm doing all this stuff. I come home the one day from work and there's fucking dig holes in there from whatever. Squirrel, chipmunk, whatever the fuck. I was like, fuck this, man. I, I ain't playing games with these motherfuckers, man. There, there is no way I'm going to put out the fucking work that I put out and have these motherfuckers digging up in my shit. And for anybody who doesn't know, I feed squirrels every morning with peanuts. I, I, um, I get a 25-pound box from nuts.com. Cost me about 50 bucks. And it lasts me about a month, month and a half. And that's, that's I feed the squirrels every single morning. You know, handfuls of peanuts. They come running, waiting on the lawn with their little hands 
you know, they're, they're ready to go. So know that I say this out of love, but these little motherfuckers ain't going <laughs> to dig in my motherfucking garden when I'm feeding them out front every single day um, with the work I'm putting in and shit. So I was like, all right, obviously I can't, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't want to, um, you know, kill them or anything like that. And I don't want to turn too far off my property either because I do, I feed them not in those spaces. So they have no reason to be there. But, um, so I was like, all right, I got an idea. Cause I've heard where people make, um, deterrents for bugs and, um, you know, wildlife and they use cayenne pepper and, um, use like a drop of dish soap mixed with like your, you know, and your pump sprayer. And then you just spray that out on your, your stuff. The soap will help it stick a little bit. And, uh, which the next batch, I'm going to use a little bit of soap. Cause I forgot that element of it. Um, if you don't use the soap, it's just not going to last as long or really stick to your surfaces quite as much. But anyway, so what I did, cause you know, I do shit to extremes that I cayenne shit wasn't going to fly with me. So I took a fucking tablespoon of Carolina Reaper powder and I put that in the fucking pump sprayer filled that motherfucker with water and shook it up. I, I, I lit that fucking garden up. A chipmunk goes digging in my fucking garden. I'm going to watch a streak of fire across the fucking lawn. I'll burn these little bastards up. That shit, you know. And just like I told my kids, because I told my kids, look, all right, I'm going to tell you this one time. After that, it's your life. If you want to you want to find out another way, this, this is how it goes. It's not going to kill you, but it'll feel like it is. Don't touch the garden. If you touch the garden, it's on you. You know, there were, there wasn't a reason for you to touch it to begin with. But if you do, I'm just telling you, things are going to burn. You know, it's not going to feel good. So, uh, you know, I, I let them know. I let squirrels know when I'm feeding peanuts out front, too. Like, don't go digging that garden, you little motherfucker. I'll set that fucking tail on fire. Um, so, yeah. And uh, like I said, with the, it's all natural. So, um, with the, the hot pepper stuff. I, I try to avoid spraying it actually on the plants because I know that, you know, some plants, the leaves can be sensitive to what you're using. Um, some not, you know, some, some handle it really well and you could use it right on the leaves and everything. But again, I, I'm looking to stop the digging around my plants cause they'll dig down, destroy the roots and then your plants dead. Um, so I'm just spraying pretty much the whole bed around my plants. And if a little gets on there, it's not that bad. But, but yeah, that's, that's, so that's what I did in those spots. Um, yeah. Um, let me see what other topics I got. I know I got a bunch. Um, it goes to them, some wrestling stuff. Um, Alex Cologne wins TOS again. I, I think this shit is lame. Um, I'll tell you like this. Um, Alex Cologne is without fucking question one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the business right now. Um, he might be the top American deathmatch wrestler. He might be. I mean, he's up there. He's definitely up there amongst... The, he's got to be in the top three. Gage is nowhere near that anymore. His intensity's gone. He's He's not that anymore. He's really not. Uh, pep rally gauge don't fucking do it for me um I, I just i don't think you could even put him in in that 
Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's got to be up there. So no doubt, I get it. But um, it's just it's just lame booking, you know. Just like when Gage came back, and Gage was on fire, and and, and they were putting Gage on this pedestal. They just kept the fucking belt on him just forever. Like no one stood a chance. No one was gonna, you know, take it. There there was no actual risk of like this guy was gonna win it. This guy until they finally took it, him off of it and they played with it a little bit. There was no way Gage was losing the title for like two years, which is ridiculous. Cause it it just I hate long title reigns that that go to that length because then it's just predictable. No one's no one's beating that person. It's like the Undertaker WrestleMania streak. Yeah, when they finally broke it, it, it almost it just didn't even make sense at that point because it, it went so long that it was like, yeah, okay, anything that's going to happen next is lackluster because oh, we were already used to that thing. Well, that's what you're going to do, mm, all right? And now you're like, oh, well, Brock isn't even going to stay because you know he got the win. And, you know, it just puts too much focus on everything you know the next thing that happens to me i don't know but um yeah i just i just think it's lazy booking i think there's a lot of guys out there um schlack let's fucking schlack let's talk about schlack schlack he um obviously he's not as technically sound as like an alex Colon. alex Colon's gonna do a lot more move wise he's gonna do a lot more um you know, good wrestling that's based around this death match, which overall, like I said, makes him a better death match wrestler. But when we talk about Schlack as a whole, I mean, look at that fucking guy. He looks like if you were to like create a character and you're like, I want to make a half monster, half human death match wrestler. And there were no Schlack on the planet. You'd probably create something that looked like that fucking guy. Like that. He would just, show up looking like that guy if you never even saw what schlack looked like that's probably what you would dream up is like this ultimate jacked fucking monster of a deathmatch wrestler it looks like he, he bites the heads off of people you know like that that's uh, it's such a fucking perfect image of what you guys are going for to not put that on the front of your fucking poster like this is what we're, we're presenting here today and then you, you know, you script your fucking matches around the guy. You work to his, you know, his limitations. And, and you have crazy death matches and brawls that are, you know, fit his style. Have him cut those fucking crazy promos that I don't know why the fuck he stopped cutting them. I don't know if it's because, you know, he, he's losing in the first round of every fucking tournament he's in. And it's discouraging. And why should it be he the only guy with a fucking promo? Maybe that's why. I wouldn't blame him if that's why. But, I mean, you got to know that you're dropping the fucking ball because this guy isn't 22 years old. Like, he's not going to do this for another 15 years. I mean, it just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Because to me, like, right on the front of the poster, you put this fucking guy looking insane and say, you know, here we're we're bringing that real shit tonight. And no one's going to look at the poster that doesn't know and go like, look at this. Because I've seen some of these fucking posters look like they took a picture at a fucking fan convention. Something like jerk off fucking Federation in Delaware, a little jerk off, this local fed, this one. 
every fucking fed that uh, TJ Macaroni, TJ uh, Marconi, Macaroni, whatever the fuck you want to call. But, you know, nice guy, cuts a hell of a fucking promo, um, puts a lot of work into his vignettes and promos, and I respect that and all. But, like, you see this fucking guy, he talks about, like, he's the Thanos, and he's trying to collect all the fucking titles. Like, dude, no one gives a fuck about any company on that thing. And every poster you post looks like a fucking fan convention. It looks like they took a group photo at a fucking wrestling fan convention. Hey, thanks guys for supporting us and the autographs, this and that. Let's get all you guys together for a group shot real quick before you leave. That's what the fucking posters look like every fucking time. And then you get a guy like Schlack that you look like, man, you put that fucking guy on a poster. Nobody's questioning what the fuck is going on there that day. No one's going to go, well, I got to see him work. They're just going to look at it and go, Oh shit. That that's that shit over there. That's that crazy shit they're doing. I can tell they're doing some crazy shit. There's nothing not crazy about that fucking guy right there. You know? That it's just it makes all the sense in the world and for some reason no one is fucking doing it. And I and I have no idea why. I really don't. But, you know, I don't understand wrestling. Um yeah, I guess we'll do it. Drake, Drake did an interview on the uh, Vito Tomaselli show, whatever the fuck he calls his bullshit show now. He renames the show like every four weeks or whatever. He's had a whole bunch of names, and it's generally just him. So I don't know why I keep renaming the show, but I don't know. The guy's a jerk off, um, both of them really, but um, it, I don't know. I... Uh, I've had my past with Vito, and he's, he's just an arrogant jerk off. He, he wants to be Joe Rogan. He, he thinks he, he's, you know, into the conspiracies and this and that, and thinks he's some kind of deep or something. He's, he's retarded. And that's just, that's what retarded people do. They think they know better than everybody else, so they come up with a bunch of conspiracies, or they think about some shit that somebody else said and be like, yeah, you know, just me and you understand the real way. The rest of the world's just stupid. Like, maybe you're fucking stupid. And you can't just, like, live like a normal, rational human being. You have to be like, no, man. I don't walk to the right anymore. That's how they get you. You sound fucking stupid. I don't know. But, uh, um... Yeah, I I don't like the guy. But beyond that, of course, he had Drake Younger on because it was the cool thing to do. Or the anti-cool thing to do so he could, you know, be that guy. But, you know, he's talking all this this shit. And it just, I, I still, I'll never understand Drake. Never understand that term that he took. And uh, yeah, not not a lot new was revealed, but it was what it was. You know, it was, it was him saying, oh, this is more important than anything. And, you know, with his standing against masks or this or that it just it just doesn't make any sense and then him versus ian got started up um because uh ian doesn't want to book drake and uh, i guess put out some kind of statement let me see if i could find it in one of these uh messages i could probably go to his let me see I have it somewhere. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just something that that uh, Ian pretty much and, and then Ian's initial statement was that like, yeah, I support Drake, you know, having his beliefs and whatever. But at this time, we're not looking to book him. You know, we're good with our locker room. And like Drake kind of struck back saying, you know, uh, after all I've done and all that bullshit. It really took offense to it and like, oh, you must have some locker room or, you know, just took, taking shots like that. And then like his dad popped in there and uh, saying, he, you know, he, he remembers him working for Ian when Ian had all kinds of heat, you know, shit like that. And, and then his wife popped in there saying like, oh, now we know who our friends are. You know, it just continued to, to go in that, that direction. Um, let me see. So, but again, you know, it, it weirds me out when motherfuckers, you know, are in the WWE. They're, they're refing for the WWE. They leave there because they're so whacked out they can't keep that job. And the next thing they do is to, like, beg Ian Rotten to come to come back to Ian Rotten, like that in itself doesn't make a lot of sense. Where the fuck is, uh, I'm trying to find these, these fucking bullshit conversations. All right, here we go. Um, so, uh, this is what, uh, Drake posted. He said wrestling related post, like as if, you started talking about this shit, he wouldn't, you know, someone would be mistaken and be like, who, what part of the government is IWA? Like, I don't know. Come on, bro. This is how far off this guy has gotten. He thinks he needs to put that as like a disclaimer. Um, who, who, what the fuck else is Drake younger? If he, if it's not a wrestling related related post, that's, that's not, he's, you know, he thinks he's that significant in all that other bullshit. So anyway, uh, since people are asking me about it and Ian decided to cave to the mob by publicly virtue signaling the snowflakes on his roster, I'll go ahead and respond. The supposed top guys that cry and complain to Ian are soft. They wouldn't last two weeks in the old IWA. The locker room I broke into beat you, stretched you, and even tried to make you quit because in those days only the strong survived. Grown men like Necro Butcher, Bull Pain, Low Key. So, you know, he throws in like seemingly like initially it's all people who would have agreed with his shit. At least from the start of that, it is. You know, it starts off a Necro, Bull Pain, Low Key. These are all like anti mask motherfuckers. <laughs> like, this seems like right up at Too Tough Tony, Thomas Ellie's. You know, and then, like, he throws in some people who are no longer with us, so it'll be up for anybody's interpretations. Uh, but I don't, I don't think Eddie Kingston's, like, still riding with everything he's saying. Uh, but he goes, uh, Isaiah, Eddie Kingston, Tank, J.C. Bailey. I know Tank's not a drunk guy. Uh, and many others made sure you earned your spot on that roster because it was prestigious. At one time, IWA is the most feared company in the world. It didn't matter your background or what you believed in when you came to work. Uh, and when you well, uh, didn't matter what your background was when you came to work. Uh, when you walk through the door, you're to show respect and do good business. Apparently, times have changed, and some of this new generation lacks the respect for those that paved the way. He's right. I don't fit into this 
current super woke dynamic of his locker room and puts a peace sign. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it's fucking weird that like, he's pretty much begging to be in Ian's building. And then like when he's, he's told he's not wanted, he, he, he's that put off by the whole fucking thing. So then, uh, Necro chimes in because, you know, he was summoned via Drake younger. He says, IWA mid South used to be about talent. It used to be about dreams that wrestlers believed in. A dream that I believed in so much that I packed what I could fit in my truck and drove to Louisville from Houston with nowhere to live, no means of support other than a dream I held in my heart, a chance to prove myself against the best independent independent talent on, on the world. Nothing mattered but talent. It didn't matter who you were, where you came from. If you preserved your talent you always eventually won out it's not like that anymore not at all now it's ran by the social justice mob where it doesn't matter how talented you talented you are your accomplishments your accomplishments mean nothing whatever food you put on the family's table through your own sacrifice means nothing now all that matters is what the mob thinks who's this talent that won't allow drake in their locker room who are you i'm a man if i have a problem with you i'll tell you like his wife, um, you won't have uh, Drake in your locker room. Then you won't have me either. I'll period be at the AFU show next Thursday. Please show me out. Uh, please show me out, talent, in the ring, the locker room, or even in the parking lot. Ask around. I'll make you famous. All right. So this jerk off is is feeling better, I guess. I guess the cancer's fucking eased up on him. But, you know, this is the thing. This guy is a fucking scumbag, first off. So I I don't know why, you know, these grand statements are even being put out by people like him. Why why anybody is paying that any mind. Like, basically, if you are down with the type of shit that Necro talks and and the life that he's lived. We're going to get into the life that he's lived. Because, you know, his baby mother posted. So we'll, we'll talk about that because that's that's what I base who's talking. You know what I mean? Like, I, you could say whatever the fuck you want to say. But if the person that's telling me it is garbage, it discredits everything you're saying. That That's what that is to me. So, I mean, I understand from some aspects saying like, you know, a locker room is all about, you know, just do what you do. It doesn't matter what you believe in. It's all about the work that goes in here. But you also know that Drake has not been fucking easy to work with. He, he even walks into churches and starts asking them, what does this pastor believe in? Is he dead set against abortion? You know, like, and if he's not, we need to rally against him. Like this is shit that he was posting online. So this isn't just walk into a locker room and work and however, you know, how whatever you feel, that's your business. We don't worry about that. That's not how he's carrying himself. 
Y'all got it all fucked up so acting like this guy minds his business with his opinion and they're pulling shit out of the sky going, oh, do you believe in that? Then we're not dealing with you. No, he is screaming his fucking beliefs at people. That's a big fucking difference from like everybody has their own beliefs and hey, that's not about that. That's not how he lives his fucking life now. His shit is real intrusive. What are you fucking crazy? But like this old man, this fucking decrepit old man looking motherfucker is legitimately calling out locker rooms for having morals. And I know hey, this is this is a first time thing in wrestling. Because let's not get it fucked up when he, he beat that fucking woman. They've had fucking necro tribute shows since then. Every time his fucking blood work came back bad, somebody was running a fucking a charity show for him, some kind of benefit. And he's fucking inducted in Hall of Fames, multiple Hall of Fames since then. He's been fucking honored in this spot and that spot and brought back again to fight Slack and all of this shit, you know. And people are screaming, necro, necro in the crowd. So we can start to be fucking moral now. And I'll respect that. But let's not pretend like we didn't let it all go on for so fucking long. Or you don't understand why he's surprised by people having morals now. Because they just fucking found out they had morals. Remember, you know, hey, the people are all of a sudden uh, speaking up a little bit higher. A little bit louder tones. But remember, I mean, it was only a couple weeks ago when the Roman Reigns fan with the sweatpants was telling me how much he loved people who beat women and how Necros is his hero. And I was wrong for thinking that dude should have died. Like, I was good with him dying. So, uh, Necro, or, or I should say, um, Ian, in response to that, posted... Oh, gee, Necro don't like me anymore. What will I do now? Maybe you should worry about your children and not Drake's Drake, you fucking deadbeat asshole. How much of that money you won did you send to Jenny Dawson for your girls? I'll wait. That was uh, his uh, baby's mother that he, he tagged, right? So here's her response on that post. He hasn't paid his child support in years. Which, by the way, is and always will be the state minimum of $50 total for two children. Last time he was sick and quote-unquote dying, is what she put, in West Virginia and Army... Uh, wait a minute. He was dying in West Virginia and Amy and Mary stayed up with him all night, took care of him, stuck by his side, and even after he abandoned them for over five years. He promised he would never dip out like that again. He got better. He moved to Michigan or some shit and hasn't talked to him more than an instant message or seen them since. And that was over a year ago, if I'm correct. He gave me two beautiful daughters, but that's literally all I can say for him and what he has given them or me PTSD, maybe. But the short answer is none. The girls and I will grab an ice cream or something something stupid and i'll say hey let's check this child support card and then we have a good laugh is loss they're badass kids it's his loss they're badass kids so this deadbeat motherfucker that's out there preaching to the fucking world how they should feel and their freedoms and this and this and all this other bullshit 
This guy doesn't take care of his own fucking kids. He can fuck himself. He beats women and he doesn't take care of his own fucking kids. So all of these people who think I'm a, I'm bad for fucking wishing this dude dropped fucking dead from the cancer he had. And I still feel that way. Go fuck yourself because you don't have morals. Don't come at me like I'm a moral for wanting this guy to not be on the fucking planet. He has kids that he walked the fuck away from and he beats women. I don't know what else you need attached to that that's going to make you feel like this guy isn't a valuable member of society. But I've already made my decision, cast my fucking ballot, and that's just where I'm at. I judge. I know a lot of people say, you can't judge. I fucking judge. And this guy is guilty of just being a shitbag. Just a bag of shit They used to punch guys and fucking pretend wrestling. He, he used to pretend fight with motherfuckers, and I'm sure he did a lot of real fighting, too. He's a goon. I mean, I, I don't doubt that he can hurt somebody. Even as an old broken goon, he's still a goon. He can't take care of kids. He can't respect women. But I'm sure he could throw punches. I mean, it's a, a monkey can throw punches. That doesn't mean a goddamn thing. I don't respect this guy as a human, and I don't respect motherfuckers who respect him. I'll tell you straight up, one of my favorite fucking wrestling matches of all time is Necro Butcher versus Samoa Joe. I saw that shit live, and it had such a perfect... They tried to replicate that in so many fucking ways after that match. There were whole Styles Clash shows, all of that evolved shit that popped up. Every bit of that came off of that fucking match. They were doing all sorts of shit like that in fucking PWG. They started doing it, you know, uh, Ian did it the first time with that match, but he started doing more of those, like, in... in um, you know, his home company, because he did that in Philly when they were over here. But everybody was doing Styles Clash matches, and it came off of that match. And it was never duplicated. They had some good ones, but that one was just fucking... That one had real anger behind it, too, because Joe was mad that um, Necro fucked the students up, the ROH students up at the Chikara show. So he was legit like, I'm going to teach this motherfucker something. And Necro was like, uh, you know... No joke, top of his game, fucking hillbilly that could take fucking all the punishment. And and that shit was just brutal and so fucking dope. I mean, you you knew shit was on when you watched that match. And one of my favorite matches of all time. But just like I said with DMX, just because he's got some of my favorite fucking music, he's got that fucking banging shit that's still in my playlist. You won't see me representing that guy as a man. You won't see me RIP in that motherfucker. You won't hear me pulling for him to do well in life because he doesn't do well in fucking life. And that's the bottom fucking line with me is, is if you don't fucking come up with your end of being a human being, being a good fucking human being. And I don't need you to be fucking, you know, rescu rescuing fucking drowning animals from the river and shit. Just don't drown an animal in the fucking river. That, that you know what I mean? That's all I'm kind of asking for. Like, don't bludgeon a woman. Don't don't fucking run away from your fucking kids. Don't, you know what I mean? It's not really that much to ask for. Don't abuse animals. Don't, you know, I, I, I'm not really being that critical. You know, it sounds like it because people don't want to let go of their heroes when their heroes are fucking garbage. But it's just a fact. You know, you, you can't you can't tell a man that loves their fucking kids and respects and is proud to be a father the way that I am. 
you, you can't tell me when when you see a fucking deadbeat dad that that you're not fucking disgusted by them because it doesn't make sense to me you know you, you just you can't put yourself in their shoes to be like ah oh, sometimes you just don't give a shit about your kids like what the fuck you mean sometimes you just go a year and don't even bring them up or shoot much as as much of a text message in their direction you know they you know nah, I, didn't, I didn't float them twenty dollars when you know this brett lauderdale brought me in or danny damano brought me in for another appearance or you know nah, i didn't float 20 bucks across the paypal or fucking anything no i got, I got nothing for you and when you don't hear from people like your father for a year you know a year includes his birthdays christmas uh fucking anything you could possibly imagine you know i'm sure you were on facebook yelling about that they're taking away christmas and that you know you're always going to say merry christmas because happy holidays you ain't having that bullshit but you probably didn't even say it to your own fucking kids you know what i mean that's where your fucking priorities are at because you're a piece of shit. Um, oh, and Drake fucking friend requested me again. Why? I don't fucking know. Like, what the fuck do you think we're going to do as friends? There's no way you haven't seen the memes, heard a fucking podcast. Or, you know, one of the somebody has told you something because everyone wants to tell everybody something. Especially when I'm talking and, and they can go maybe make friends with a wrestler for five minutes. And I'm like, did you hear what J-Cat said? You're a fucking weirdo. I don't give a fuck who hears what I say. Um, oh, one more thing on um, IWA. So Kit Osborne was supposed to be in the King of the Death match. Um, so what happened was he jobbed out like a minute and change to AJ Gray. On, um, I think, um, GCW. Minute and change. Fucking squashed. You know, um, and Ian pulled him off the show. He heard that, that that was what went down and he pulled him off the show. He pulled him off King of the Death Match. And, uh, and Kit posts some old passive aggressive, uh, it's, it's like, uh, excuse me for trying to forward my career. Forward your career by taking squashes. You've been doing this shit since, what, 2013 or something? You were taking squashes then? Robert Anthony squashed you. G's squashed you. These were still in the arena CZW shit. Why the fuck are we still doing squashes? Somebody else is doing something for their career. Making you look like garbage. You, you, the king of the death match. I don't give a fuck what you think about Ian Rotten. I don't give a fuck what you think about deathmatch wrestling. But if you know anything about the the legacy of deathmatch wrestling in the United States, you'll know that the King of the Deathmatch tournament is one of the most prestigious tournaments in the entire fucking country, always has been. And it was the one that fucking started it all. Started it all in the U.S. You know what I mean? Tournament of Death. And definitely not anything in, in GCW was anywhere near the start of deathmatch tournaments in the U.S. And it's maintained that prestigious, you know, feel over the years. 
and you know, of course, anyone anyone who runs tournaments for that amount of years is going to have a bad tournament here and there or something that like, eh, just, that wasn't the best one. Or yeah, you're always going to get that, especially when you put on, you know, that top level performance that King of the Death match has, has tournament of death has. If you have one that's a little lackluster from the best one that you already had planted in your mind, it's just, they're hard bars to top. But, I I wouldn't say the King of the Death match is something that's that's not worth anything anymore. I wouldn't say any of that. So if Ian, especially Ian, if anyone takes King of the Death match seriously, it should be Ian Rotten. So if Ian still takes it seriously and says, "Hey man, I'm not I'm not booking a guy who just got squashed in a minute and a half in my prestigious tournament," I'm not. You know, he he runs a whole nother tournament, Prince of the Deathmatch, for a guy to earn a spot if they're young enough within the Deathmatch wrestling, and that's the angle that they use to get into the tournament. So if he's giving other people spots, he's saying you're credible enough to just be in that tournament without any, like, tryout, without any anything. And what's happening right before that tournament's going to go down is you're getting squashed in a minute and a half, you know, in some bullshit yeah, that a lot of fans are very well aware of. It doesn't make sense. And, uh, it, you know, I, it makes sense to me why Ian would get him off the show. And Kitsch would make better fucking business decisions. If, if this is how he gets forward in his career, he ain't going fucking nowhere. Because he's been doing the same fucking thing for all these years. And now he's just doing it with uh, deathmatch shit, too. But, you know. And you never know, like, Ian, you know, he's the type of motherfucker he likes to surprise people, too. So maybe he had plans to put Kit, you know, Kit shows up and he goes like, hey, man, I'm looking to put you into the fucking semis. You know, and, you know, if that was his plan, I'm going to throw a curveball where he's going to be against this guy who seems like he's the definite winner, but he's going to pull it out. And then he's going to do some some shit here. And, you know, he likes to throw those curveballs. So what if he had that in his mind, like I have this plan for him and then you go and get squashed in a minute and a half so so you could, you know, make Brett happy or whatever the fuck you're doing. Then then yeah, you fucked his whole plan up and he's like, you know what, now I don't even want to deal with this fucking kid. Cause he just got squashed. I guess I gotta have him get squashed, otherwise my guy looks like shit and why do I wanna have a squash in the first round? It makes it look like I should have never booked him to begin with if I do that. And that's the only way to save face of your own guy in your company is if he follows suit with another squash. But, you know, it, it kind of paints you into a corner if you take shit seriously. And that's how wrestling should be. That's how it's supposed to be. Like the heels and faces shouldn't be, you know, hanging the fuck out openly. They shouldn't be putting each other over every fucking time after the match. You know, shit like that. Like, there should be some, at least, you know, parameters that you work within where you just go like, all right, this is kind of like the, the lay of the land. This is kind of the rules. We play within these rules so it looks like the show we're presenting, you know? You know, you don't see, like, sitcoms and shit where they, like, every once in a while pull a mic off and, like, tap it and then put it back on and go, is that better? Is it, you know? Because you, you, at that point, you're breaking character, and it's just, you lose the aura of the, the performance, you know? Obviously, wrestling is, is a little different than a sitcom, but there's still that, that performance that you're trying to put together. 
And, you know, if you bring the promos together with the ring work and the anger and the, you know, the, the, the emotion that you bring to the, the ring, you can convey a, a story. You can put across a story that an adult could buy. But if you insult people's intelligence by turning that on and off, I, I can't I can't rock with you. And that's a lot of what killed wrestling for me is there was too much. Ha ha. We're actually friends i can't wait to go through the glass over there and it's like dude you're not supposed to say any of that like i'm not even saying like off to the side like we're talking after the show you got to pretend like you're still you know cutting a promo i'm not saying any of that because i've i've always talked to, to guys on some just real normal shit but i mean like that's how they're presenting themselves overall like in the ring with their opponent right there online on on you know it's just it's too heavily presented as like not real, just this really uh, see-through. Just it's very transparent as far as um, the gimmicks go, the 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 violence, the, the you know the the perceived fight. It, that's the, it, it's hard to buy. There's not a hard sell on that at all. Selling, selling overall. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with Ian on that and he shouldn't be in there. Um, Mondo and Cashmere showed up to the hall of fame. Uh, I think Mondo may return eventually. I doubt it. He seems so, um, dead set against that like full return return. I, I know he's getting around it a lot and that could, you never know because I mean, you remember Mondo disappeared off the planet. He wanted to go do his filming stuff and understandable. He's very, very talented at that type of thing. And, you know, he, he had a different plan and passion that he could switch his gears to and then not look back. But part of what he did is he distanced himself from the entire business. We're now seeing more of Mondo in and around this stuff more than he has been in a long time, you know, within the past year or two. Uh, he, he started to be around the wrestling business in general. Um, you know, he does stuff with AEW behind the scenes. He, you know, he, um, you know, you just never know. You never know if that stirs some kind of itch in him. But he's he's always seen it as somewhat of an evil. You know, he's, he always saw it as something like he always felt um, almost ashamed that you know Rory followed in his footsteps and you know. You hear him talk a lot. I did a great interview with him years ago. If you want to go back and check it out, but he was—he um, felt like he did everything he needed to do with, with wrestling, and that it also had this pull on him that he, he didn't know how to escape that, and he—you know—he had to get away from it. So you never know. I mean, it could go either way because, again. I know deep down he, he wants no part of doing this, but those emotions start riding high and he starts seeing this pop after pop. And there's, there's a obviously always going to be some insane fucking pop that just lingers out there. I mean, you imagine mystery opponent, Nick Gage lights go out, comes back on and you got Mondo in the fucking pants with fucking sick on his forehead doing the sign, the M signs in front of fucking gauge. 
the the building would just fucking that would be the end. You know, what I mean, the the, the fucking multicolored showboat ceiling would just fucking explode. I mean, it, it, they got the fucking crowd going bananas for fucking Zack Ryder right now. Can you imagine sick Nick Mondo across the fucking ring from Nick Gage? Uh, you know, half of these fans have only heard about that that matchup. You know, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be some. You know, uh, temptation, you know, with that type of thing out there. And he knows it, and, you know. But as, as I've said, deep down, I, I don't think he wants to do this shit. I, I think if he's able to spectate and just be like, yeah, uh, you know, I've done what I've done. And now I guess I just kind of enjoy it from a from a distance. You know, I would probably well serve him. Um. Oh, and Kashmir, yeah, I saw that they got together and uh, they were hanging out, dinner or whatever. I guess Kashmir went to the Hall of Fame too. I didn't see it, but uh, but yeah, I mean Kashmir, you know, as I'd said before, I, I wanted another interview with him. I don't know now, like I'm just fucking, I get irritated with talking to fucking anybody, let alone like with wrestlers and shit. And I don't like being ignored. I got a big fucking problem with being ignored. So if I if I reach out to somebody and they don't fucking get back to me, like the motherfuckers die to me. You know? I don't I don't I don't appreciate that shit. You know, because I don't do a lot of reaching. I leave motherfuckers alone for the most part. I've never been a pushy cat as far as like coming on the pot, you know, hey you wanna come on the podcast or whatever. I'm not I'm not that guy that's gonna like keep fucking irritating you. If, if you even know Selmy, I'm gonna be like, man, I wish I didn't even hit that person up. Fuck, because I don't. I just I'm not that guy. I just I don't want to bother people. So um, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Um, IWTV versus GCW lost to. Yeah, I mean this shit's on and popping. I guess um. They're trying to sue him for, like, a half a million. I don't think they're getting any half a million, but if they do have legitimate claims on, like, you know, we were supposed to get live footage and, you know, the iPay-per-view shit, live streams for 12 months or something, and you ran 12 shows and you brought in all this money off of fight and whatever, like, you know, maybe they, maybe there is something there. I don't know. I don't know their contract. I don't know any of that shit, but, you know. Um, Scotty Satire has a t-shirt. Says, I wasn't over until this year. I I just, you know. You should have a shirt that says, if if I ever bump into J-Cat, I'm going to need a new shirt. Um, Yeah, Ryder versus Gage. They got real riled up. You know, those fans really got riled up, and I don't understand it. I mean, realistically, if if Zack Ryder and Nick Gage fought in real life, he, he would beat the shit out of Nick Gage. He's, he's in way, way better shape. He's not drugged the fuck out. I mean, and as far as, like, a wrestling personality, he's a fucking cornball. So the whole, everything about that feud is, is silly because I got to somehow believe that this guy who's bigger wouldn't just beat this dude up. But then also, like, this cornball, 
character he is. And he's like Matt Cordona or something. I don't know what the fuck. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't interest me at all. And it's pretty much the same thing that they did with RSP. Because he's, like, stealing the belt and shit. He's, like, running in through the crowd. Like, it just, it's the same shit. And it was, like, Nick Gage hits him up on Twitter. Like, you want to fight? Dude, I hate new wrestling. I just hate new wrestling. Um, so, yeah, that that's that. Um, we drop a Sean Price track real quick. And then I'll uh, get back to this shit. I don't smoke pre-roll joints. Welcome. The name of this album is Monkey Bars. And I'm your host, Sean P. Sean P. What you about to witness here, my brother? It's It's ignorance at its finest. Peep my words. I'm better with mine. Sean Price, remember this time. I'm all at Jaw Tap, Paul Gregory Hines. Strap for the wall. I got the package of raw. In the ass crack of this hall with the passenger door. Y'all niggas is whack and it should be slapped with the fall. Shit like that be attracting the law. Can't get knocked. Better get, can't get shot. Bust a shot at the bad boy, can't be stopped. Listen to my old shit, they be like, damn, they hot. What happened to them niggas, man? They flop. Drinking and smoking, vice versa, smoking and drinking. I'm hoping these Lincolns add up, I ain't supposed to be stinking. Y'all niggas is far sighted, didn't notice the Kingpin. Up close in your face. Bust toast in your face, peep my words, words Heavenly words, words Heavenly niggas locked up in the 73rd Peep my words, words Heavenly words, words Heavenly niggas locked up, locked up, locked up I'm busting the crowns. Call me Ruckus Bichon's. The name that I choose to be called when I'm in front of my moms. Get it the fuck from in front of me, Paul. The number one stunner gunning for y'all. Listen, I got little guns that are straight pounds your melon. Got big guns about the size of Mount St. Helen. Soon as I punch a nigga, he like, ouch, I'm telling. Gotta bounce down south with Welling. What up, cuz? I'm Sean Price, watch me lead the shit. Boot camp, no fatigues and kicks, nigga. Y'all niggas is fake, straight perpetrating the fraud Give me the cake for my insert, the eight in your broad Scared to death, niggas going face to face with the Lord Dumb out, bang your motherfucking face on the board Fuck around and catch wreck in the spots Get to go stop heckling, cotch wrecking You're not fleshing the cops Peep my words, words Heavenly words, words Tell your niggas locked up in the 73rd Peep my words, words Heavenly words, words Tell your niggas locked up, locked up, locked up yeah she was with him she was she's not married to sozio but she was married to him yeah man so what it is um i'm just keep hitting y'all with this shit too every fucking time um so i got a couple questions here in the facebook let's see Brian wants to know, what weather temp do you wrap the chicken pen up in order to keep it warmer? Is there a specific temp they should be kept at? No, not really. Um, Basically, um, like that freezing temperature, like 30 degrees, below 30 degrees, like when you know it's going to drop and kind of stay there for a while, you can run the risk of frostbite um, with your chickens. 
which could affect their feet, their combs, like all that stuff, especially like the soft tissue stuff. Um, and, and, you know, you, they can get upper respiratory infections and, you know, they could die from stuff like that. Um, it's important to block drafts. So again, like the, the lower the temperature is, the more that those drafts are, you know, could be deadly. So I generally start, you know, like mm, probably like late November, early December, some shit like that. And I just take the, um, like the plastic drop cloth and I wrap the, the whole pen, staple gun it on there, uh, screw some boards over the top of the plastic so the wind doesn't blow it off. And it brings the pen's temperature up by like 10 degrees. Um, chickens can adapt to some really rough temperatures, but you have to stay consistent with that. So some people would use like heaters or, or things like that, but so many people have had accidents where either the heater burns their fucking pen down and, and, and their birds are all dead and they, sometimes they set their house on fire and all sorts of shit. Or um, in extreme temperatures, that, that heater dies and now your birds aren't acclimated to the weather at all and they all drop dead that night. So it's like you want them to be kind of like strong enough to handle the weather but maybe cut the edge off of just extreme weather so they could handle it better. You know what I mean? Because if they're forced to deal with it, they have to be able to handle it in some capacity, you know? And, you know, some of the fans and, and heat, you know, most heaters are going to have a fire risk and, you know, you're going to have some sort of bedding in there, wood chips or hay or something like that, which is going to be really flammable. You know, and it kicks up a lot of dust with the chickens and all that. So, you, you know, you don't want to do any of that stuff. But so, yeah, I just do that. It brings up the temperature about like 10 degrees and in Jersey. You know, we drop sometimes into the teens or 20s and stuff, but usually it doesn't stay there for too, too long. But even when it's at that, you know, you add 10 degrees and it's not too, too bad in there. And I give them a lot of bedding and all that. So, um. Oh, I don't know what the fuck Charles is talking about. He said, thoughts on the baseball grip controversy. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Like, not even a little bit. That shit sounds foreign to me. Like, you might as well just type in some other language right in that space. Because um, I don't speak them. I don't, I don't, I don't know any other languages. Um, Anthony Tarantino says, honestly, what's your thoughts on rabbits as pets? Lost my retriever last month with cancer, trying to fill a void. My condolences. I definitely feel you on that. Um, rabbits can be fantastic pets. Um, I would not have them outside. I would not house them outside. Um, they can be um, pretty awesomely adapted to a house. Litter box trained and can pretty much live freely in your house. And... Um, they could be really, really good, very, very smart pets, very clean. Um, like I said, they can be litter trained. So if you get them where they're only going in that, I mean, they're, they're soft, clean, nice animals. Um, there's obviously a lot of different breeds that you get to choose from. And I would just look up those individual breeds and what their general temperaments and extra care would be like. 
Um, just research what you're getting into. And I mean, I, I would also recommend looking through some of these local shelters because regularly um, animals will be turned in, small animals, you know, like rabbits and guinea pigs. And we almost always have rabbits and or guinea pigs. Um, you know, they have, uh, you know, people people keep getting them and then oh, I don't have time for them. So they come to us. And we've gotten some great, great rabbits in. So, you know, maybe check out a couple of your local shelters and stuff and, you know, see what they got. You, know, you might find exactly what you're looking for. But, um, yeah, not a bad idea, man. You know, and a lot of times, you know, go through a shelter that's going to maybe fix the rabbit, too. So it's, um, you know, it's spayed or neutered. So you don't have to worry about it, you know, having those like dominant issues you know if it's a boy or you know going any kind of you know hormonal swings the way that they would if they're not fixed and then you know maybe you could even explore getting more than one if you know if they were fixed um let me see so that's that's all that's right there but i had um some other shit i want to go back into Eric wants to know who starts for the Niners week one. Jimmy Garoppolo starts for the Niners week one. This guy, um, he is fired the fuck up. He's got every reason to be fired up. Uh, the thing about Jimmy is like, he's obviously not going to be a Niner for a lot longer. You know, he's not our future. We just traded three first round picks for the pick that we use for Trey Lance. So that's our future, but they want him to learn. They want him to settle in and be adapted as an NFL quarterback and not just baptized by fire. They have Jimmy under contract right now, and Jimmy has everything in the world to play for because he's auditioning. And it's such a huge plus for us, too, if he succeeds, because we know we got our guy. But we also have Jimmy who is under contract. So if Jimmy goes out there and plays lights out and suddenly looks like somebody's answer as their starting quarterback and their future, well, then suddenly he's worth a first round pick and we get the draft again, you know, cause we traded away so many first rounders that, you know, and Jimmy's not worth a number two right now that are um, a first rounder right now because, you know, he, he spent so many games hurt. So if he goes out there and plays like a psycho and like he can't be fucking stopped, teams are going to perk up and be like, hmm, would, I mean, we, we can go fuck around, grab Jimmy and, and take a shot at this title. You know, I mean, it, it's a viable thing that could happen. So, and for Jimmy, he will either be starting for another team and getting paid like a starter. If he fails this year, he will only be getting backup money and a backup job. And yeah, he can go and he could ball out as a backup, you know, hope the fucking starter gets hurt or whatever, or isn't playing well and he gets another shot and he could ball there and re-earn a starting job. But this is his last shot to secure a starting job going forward into next year. So, um, He's got a lot to prove. His team is completely behind him. Kittle loves Jimmy. 
Um, you know, we got a hell of a squad right now. And we, if we stay healthy, motherfuckers are going to have problems. And uh, this, this dude fires lit under him. And we got, you know, we got a way better backup plan this year. So if things don't go that way, Trey Lance is there and he's learning every day. And, you know, the, the longer we get to hold him out, the more he learns, the more ready he is when he shows up. He's got an incredible athletic set. And, and I saw what he was doing out on practice today, I think it was. I, I saw him throwing some crazy ass passes and and rolling out this way and that way and throwing across his body. And this dude's he's an athlete. So I'm excited. But Eric got um, Nick Mullins, so he should also be excited. Um, check him out on his podcast. It's the We, we Got Nick Mullins podcast. Um, so let me see. Uh, Jeff Sandler. Oh, um, Nick Gage has a, um, a Cluck You commercial. I just want to put that out there. Um. <laughs> um, it's fucking wild, man. And people, I love when people troll Nick Gage too, because somebody put on, uh, he put on Twitter, I got some shit I got to handle, MDK. And someone re- responded, just stay away from at PNC Bank. And PNC Bank with like an automated message like, good evening, is there anything we can help you with? <laughs> it's so funny because, you know, Robin. But, um, yeah. Um, let me see what else. I think I covered most of everything. Um, what else did I want to talk about? Oh, you know, st- all right. Starlings. It's a bird. Um, you've probably seen them a lot. They're black with like s- white spots on them. And, uh, you know, a decent sized bird, about the size of a blue jay. Um, so they're considered an invasive species in uh, New Jersey and in the United States as a whole. If you bring a baby starling or injured starling or anything to a rehabber, they will euthanize it. They will not fix it. They will not feed the baby. They will not keep it alive. They will euthanize it because it's an invasive species. Um, Where I'm at here, um, we had, I mean... The, um, my the, one of my co-workers she, she takes care of that she's been there even longer than I have and she takes care of a lot of the baby birds and does very well with them she had something like 11 of them that were in his babies and she finished raising them because some of the, the, the rehabilitators we contacted we found out yeah like that's that's what happens by regular process like starlings are off limits that's it like invasive species you want to know some crazy shit you know what year that they were brought into the united states you know what year that they were brought into the united states that they're still considered invasive 1877 
what kind of shit is that? Like the people who are clutching on to those fucking those morals that like what what else do they believe doesn't belong here from 1877? Because that's some that's some crazy ass shit. Do you understand the German Shepherd? Clearly not from here. Was brought into the United States 1907. Ain't nobody calling them invasive. Chihuahuas 1903. Yeah, no one's saying they're in invasive. The starlings are an invasive species that don't belong here. Like motherfucker, they they showed up a hundred years before, a hundred and one years before I was born. What kind of shit is this? I think they're ours now. And we just got to figure out, you know, how to manage them or do whatever we're going to do. But like, you know, like I have, a, um, I have a suet feeder. I have a, a couple little suet baskets, which is like a little, it's like a bird food, like cake kind of deal. Like it's a square and you put it in there and they really like it, especially like the woodpeckers and stuff. That's what I have it for mostly. But the starlings will go fucking crazy for it and they'll beat the shit out of it because they'll show up with like like 30 fucking 30 fucking heads in the, in the backyard and just annihilate some shit. Like they just eat a lot and then they'll just bounce and then eat all your shit. So you can get ones that hang upside down and the flickers or woodpeckers can hang upside down like that and they'll get it. But the starlings can't do all that shit. So you can do shit like that. You know, make sure that, like, yeah, they're not going to just house all your food. Maybe you put one out for them like I do. And then one of those other ones you keep in the upside down thing. So the other guys always have something to eat because they're not, you know, they don't come 30 of them into your yard. So, you know, you could do shit like that, you know. And, you know, there, there's different ways to manage stuff like that. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to, to outlaw species that way. You know, like they're legal to kill um, and rehabs. That's that's the craziest thing to me is where where a rehabber and their whole function is to save animals and continue life and all that. And they're just like, no, that species doesn't belong here. It's fucking 1877. What the fuck? You know. So I, I don't know. It's just a wild fact that I, I don't think most people knew, so I wanted to share that shit. Um, there's a bunch, too. Just look up invasive species. Uh, there's a lot. Starlings, grackles. Um, I don't know. Maybe sparrows? I, there's a lot. There's a lot. And, and, like, most of the birds that you see regularly. But, um mute swans they're another one so like a mute swan that goes to um a rehabilitator dead that's it you know and that's just like that's the law like they're just like yeah no that doesn't belong here is it's gotta go i know mute swans can really um negatively in fact impact like um different things in the environment so like if one big ass fucking mute swan family you know parents and then like you know they they have more and they got their little crew the amount of uh like the seagrass and like seaweed stuff that they're gonna eat would decimate like the supply for like the local ducks and things like that you know and 
they could really impact an area like that. So that's where like a lot of the stuff comes from is like the, the changes it can make in the environment. But that's where I think we need to, you know, create something out there that, that helps that helps that along. You could plant things a little differently or put up some kind of little barrier or something that will allow this animal to eat and that one not to, you know, in certain areas. And you could really help adapt these animals to what's what's changed, you know, because animals migrate to another place and you can't just go like, yeah, fuck those new animals. And yeah, well, what are you going to do? We're just not going to help any of those babies if they're ever in need. That's that's your whole plan fucking crazy I, I don't know um yeah chihuahuas 1904 german shepherd 1907 yeah. um let me see callie uh i don't think i talked about callie last time i was on the show she's she's my new cat i um i adopted her and, uh, you know, it's, it was because again, you know, with Lily, it, it left such a big void and I, and just getting another dog just isn't really on the table right now. It's for me, Leo doesn't like dogs to begin with. We did a lot of switching this one and that one and, you know, moving things around to make sure that, you know, things all stayed safe between the animals and it, it was a lot and we always did it and, you know, it was what it was because that's what it needed to be. But, you know, hitting kind of a, you know, unintended reset button and, and being where we are now to just try to patch in another dog in the situation. It's, it's a lot, you know, despite that. Yeah, that, that's a, it feels like something that, that should be, but there, there's so much more to it. And, you know, I, I just told you how much I work and all of that stuff. And it, it just doesn't come that simple. So I always have a list of like, if I could cats, you know, and I, I know like, you know, people will look at my number and they'll be like, Oh, this fucking guy. But I mean, if you came and saw my cats, it's not everybody that's listening to this is welcome to do. So don't take that as an invitation. You know what I mean, if, if we, if we get down, you know what I mean? Then, you know the invitations there, but otherwise, like, take my fucking word for it. My cats live a good life. Um, I'm very much more so capable than a lot of people as far as, you know, having a higher number safely and, and responsibly. Um, I know there's a big difference between becoming part of the problem and um, part of the solution, you know. Um, if you can save you know an amount of animals that you can handle and it and it benefits those animals and obviously it benefits you know you know the family as a whole then you know you, you can do that when it, when it becomes to the point where you can't responsibly care for that you can't financially care for that then then you got a problem you know i have you know, a chicken out there that I spent eight hundred dollars on. Shit, I'm, I'm willing to spend what I gotta spend on my animals. It's not a, it's not an issue. It's not like I got it like that. But you know, people spend money on a lot of different things, and you know, my, my priority is my family, and you know, my animals are part of my family. So 
um, yeah. So there's always like a, if I could, if I could list that I have in my head and it changes all the time because, you know, some of those, if I could find a home, which is always my intention is to get them a home before it becomes me being able to take them or anything. I don't ever, you know, hold an animal up or, you know, no, don't take that one. I want it. Like, <laughs> believe me, you could adopt every one of my cats. If you bring me good homes and I will adopt my favorite cats out to every single one of them. Um, but Callie specifically um, fell into the, if I could, the very top of the, if I could list. Because she was a cat who came in a year and a half ago, and she um, was just not trusting. She was initially a TNR cat, so this is trap and release, trap and release. Um, and she was never should have been, as, as many trap and release cats really shouldn't be. She was, she was not equipped for that. I mean, this, this cat now, like. She's so fat and, and happy and healthy. And she, I mean, she looks like a seal when she lays there on her side. Like, you, you're going to tell me that cow is supposed to fend for itself for its whole life outside because, you know. And, you know, I understand TNR and, and, you know, it does save a lot of lives because, you know, if we stop the breeding out there, we could fucking solve the problem. You know, everybody just gets cats and just fucking lets them just mass produce. Like, it's it's such a plague on the animal world overall. And uh, cats, obviously. Um, but, um, yeah, she, she was a TNR cat who was never equipped to do that. But because of that, she was forced to fend for herself and was completely untrusting of human touch. So when I got her, I mean, she would fuck you up. And still, I mean, she, she has angles. You just don't go at her. She's not your typical cat. You reach and put your hand in front of her, like, here, smell my hand. She'll fucking light that hand up. I learned through time with her that I would have to reach over the top of her, which normally is more dangerous because you're putting yourself, like, way into their zone. Reach kind of over the top of her with one arm as if I'm going to, like, hug her, but, you know, one arm and rub that opposite side of her. And she gets way into it and starts trusting and letting her guard down way more. And then you're able to just do whatever, you know, pet her on the head and her face and all of that stuff. And she'll start really, you know, mushing against you and stuff. But, you know, through a year and a half of being there, as I started to unravel, you know, her secrets and like how, how to work with her and, you know, what was going to work for her, um, her temperament and, what was going to make her feel secure, you know, with your interactions, because I saw this amazing cat that would unfold, but trying to tell any given average person that they're like, yeah, I don't think I want any part of that special way to pet a cat and this and that. And I just knew that like, you could establish with this cat and that's, that's our starting point. But I'm, I'm giving you like the cheat code to like how we're going to get this cat to acclimate into your home and then once you do you know you're gonna have a an excellent cat like she's gorgeous and um she just you know year and a half just just couldn't find that right person had some close calls where i really thought you know we were gonna get it but they backed out or you know whatever the case was but um so i just i always knew i knew 
how to work with her and you know what I what she needed so when this opportunity unexpectedly came up I figured well I mean this this transition will will be a lot easier you know for her than it ever would have been you know when I had Lily because Lily wasn't great with the cats and Again, I, I did a lot of different things to separate and move this one and that one to make sure that there were no incidents. But um, but yeah, it um, it made sense to me, so I added Callie. So Callie came home, and uh, you know, this is this is my this is my limit here. This is you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't intending to go up another cat, but uh, you know, circumstances had it, and. Uh, and that'll be that, you know, I got, um, Ruby's my oldest, he's 18 years old, you know, so it's not, you know, I'm not going to have, uh, nine cats for forever. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, Rico's 15, Senshi's 16 and, you know, I, I got, I got an older crew in here and I got a younger crew, so. But yeah, I'm, I'm very comfortable with what I have and, and um, I have so many different you know situations and places where they're comfortable and I know how to really manage a crew of cats really nicely so that they're all very happy and interactive and um, very, very spoiled. I have scratching posts all over the house, big tall ones and uh, yeah, they're, they're family. So, so Callie got to uh, join the crew and very very happy to have her um so i guess uh you know we'll just close out talking about this and so yesterday my daughter graduated high school and uh that means so much to me and i'll tell you why because i i didn't graduate high school my brother didn't graduate high school he went back got his ged i um i dropped out of high school came back and got kicked out and then i was gonna rejoin once i moved up to woodbridge and started hanging out with my boys up there because they were still like right in their senior year they were about to go into their senior year and we were doing a lot of athletic shit you know outside of school and they were like yo you could you know you could play you know for the team the football team and i was never accepted into any of those groups so when I started getting that vibe. I was like, yo man, I could finish school because I would stay so involved with what's going on here and my boys, I wouldn't want to miss any of that. And I would, I would be able to finish school. So let me, you know, let me try this out. I was going to go back one last time. And I knew that time would have worked because of, you know, I had a support system there out here. I never fit into these motherfuckers, but, uh, Still don't, but, um, so, but they told me, uh, when I contacted the school and everything, I missed the age restriction by like two months or some shit. So, uh, they, yeah, they went, <laughs> they won the state championship that year, the football team. So there was that, but, um, that, that was my high school, you know, I had a rough go and things just, just didn't, you know, go well. I, I knew when it came down to my kids, I wanted to raise them better than I was raised. You know, my father was out 
at 15 and you know we we didn't get along and you know he's a piece of shit so i haven't heard from him since and what happened when which will tie into the second part of this what happened when that happened is that entire side of my family you know you got your mother's and your father's side of the family that entire side of the family just completely never talked to me again so but i have such a a passion about making sure that my my kids childhood is better than mine was because i truly care you know i I love them more than anything and i can't imagine knowing that you know someone is is being raised that way like i was raised and and you know having that that absence or like that burden and and you being that burden you know that that's it's terrible it's a terrible feeling you know and i I lived through a lot of that shit, the bullying in school, the fucking just horrible parenting, and then, you know, family just being gone. But, I, you know, I had this opportunity to be a father, and, and when I, you know, I was given this opportunity, you know, I, there was no failing in it. I had obviously my major bumps in the road with my alcoholism, but I, there's reasons like that. it's marriage and it's saved my life because if it wasn't for her what was i stopping for what what was i gonna if it wasn't for my kids what was i stopping for i didn't want to be here anymore i i don't fit into this fucking world i still don't fit into this fucking world but what i put forth towards her towards my twins it means more than anything i have to create better than what i am i have to the only way my past can be fixed is by creating a future for them that's better than what i was laid out for me that's just the only way you could do it i think the ultimate accomplishment in life some people wind up rich some people don't and it's just that's almost luck of the draw sure people work hard to get their money and then get accomplishments as far as belongings and this and that but if you could create children that grow up to be better than you and every generation goes by that same standard you create greatness you create a legacy that goes forward that you earned through genuine love of your family and that that's something that that money can't buy you can't self-awareness to know that like what you're doing you know with your family is genuine and and you're not taking it for granted and it's just it's something else it's something that you know when you don't have it you realize what belonged in that space and and you have the opportunity to provide that when you get your chance to become a father and you have no fucking choice but to do it the right way because you know exactly how to do it wrong that's the only fucking thing you know is how to do it wrong so the opposite direction is going to be a great way to go and that's that's what i did and uh like i said i'm not without faults but i believe i'm raising my girls right and uh you know she just graduated high school that's 
that's fucking incredible to me. And that's only, you know, the first thing of, of many, many things she's going to accomplish. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's talented. She couldn't be prouder. And, you know, to know that that's, that's the big sister to my twins. That's who they get to look up to. Their older sister. You know. She's she's creating a, an excellent role model for her sisters. And uh, she's going to accomplish great things. I'm so proud of her. So, um, so yeah, um, the other part of that is in her class is technically her cousin. So my father's brother, which would be, you know, my uncle, Mark had a kid the same year as we had Mary Jane. Now. You know, anybody who knows me knows I changed my last name. My last name is Morris. My middle name is Cat. That's legitimate because I, I changed my name because, you know, my father was not part of my life. He's, he's not part of who what made me me. Um, same goes for my brother. My brother changed his name as well. And um, my mother's maiden name was Morris. So the plan was that um, when we when we we were going through the process to change our names, they said, yeah, it's the same amount of money to change all three names as it is to change just the last name. So then it was like, well, fuck it. Then we're going to make you know, we're going to go by exactly what we like being called and what it what it is. You know, and I had been you know called jcat you know from friends and everything my boy d i, I believe was the first to say that because when it came down to it um you know i mean not not a lot of guys are, are cat guys everybody's about dogs it's like this tough guy image shit and they're, they're you know it, it's always been like there's like a little bit of a stigma there you know what I mean? And it's gotten better now. It's gotten way better now. But for the longest time, cats were like pussy shit. Like, you know, pun intended. But, you know. Uh, so, you know, just being around like, oh, he, he loves cats. That's his deal. You know, and cats love me. Like, he, I just walk into someone's house. And be like, oh, my cat usually doesn't like people. And I you know, walk over and it's rubbing on me. Like, oh, shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, so J-Cat was the thing. And, you know, it goes right with Morris because Morris the cat, you know. it. So, to me, it always worked. And um, so I had switched my name. But this kid, um, he has my old name. So it always jumped out, you know, any type of, um, you know, uh, performances or, you know, if Mayor had a play or a talent show or whatever. He's a very musically talented kid. Um, and then seemingly very well accomplished. I mean, he's, he's, um, he's got a bunch of awards and, you know, shit like that honors or whatever the fuck. Um, but you know, and it would always be just like a weird kind of thing, you know, cause I would be at whatever performance or whatever it was. And you would just hear that name just ring out and it just, you know, hits a nerve with me. And then, you know, it always had that thing where like, is, my uncle in the building is my father in the building. You know what I mean? Like, is that, is anybody in there? I know my father lived, you know, he moved way out of state and all of that. So most likely not. He didn't even give a shit about his kids to hang around. I don't think his nephew's getting a whole lot of attention, but you know, who fucking knows, you know, maybe he's in town and you know, 
So you always just kind of like listen where the claps are coming from and shit and glance over at some point or whatever. Let's not forget to mention that if you look out the back window of my house, you can see my uncle's house. And directly behind that house, like it's not behind my house, it's like on the other side of the street, on the street behind me. So you can see his fucking house. And right behind that house was my father's mother, my grandmother, who I believe is dead, which is good. She was a fucking asshole. She would like, she'd watch me as a kid and she'd come over and she'd be like, you know, you'd be like, oh, you rented movies and you brought snacks. She's like, no, these are my snacks and this movie's for me when you go to sleep. And he's like, what the fuck? That's like the type of motherfuckers they were. Um, so, yeah, no, no fucking love lost. But um, but that's that's how fucking close I am to these people who are just like fucking strangers to me since I was 15. That's how fucking crazy it is. You know what I mean? So. You know, it's just, just like that curiosity shit. Like when you would hear that name and then you hear like the claps over here or whatever, like you just kind of, you know, but so this was obviously, you know, the biggest fucking thing I just explained to you what it meant to me with Mare and how proud of her I am. And, uh, so this, this kid's graduating. I see all these honors and shit. Like just gets, he's got all this stuff and his name is called and I didn't hear a fucking thing and uh, hit me different than every other time I heard his name because that just showed that my family is no fucking different than they were when I was a fucking kid. The only thing that changed about my family is me. That's what changed the tone of my family. Cause I'll tell you, I'll tell you another little piece of that too. Like on the other side, like my mother, she went on a little vacation last week, just like with her sister to, to fucking Carolina or some fucking where. And she told my daughter before she left, yeah, I'm going to be getting home the day before that. And I'm probably going to be too tired. So I'm not going to your graduation. You know, and then later on felt bad about it because she saw Mary didn't have like a smile on her face. I mean, she said that shit. So she showed up. But like, this is what I mean. Like that disconnect is still fucking there in my family. Ain't shit changed. And the only thing, because you would think too, you know, that that's her granddaughter. That's her first fucking grandchild. That's her first granddaughter. And... She's graduating high school, something her kids didn't do. And that's, it just, it baffles me. You know, it baffles my motherfucking mind. But then, you know, so like I said, with this kid, I didn't hear a whole lot. And maybe his mother was clapping, you know? I mean, it was a, there was a lot of people there. And, uh, you know, there was the, it was on the, the football field. And, you know, there's a home and a wayside and all that shit. So if one person clapped and shit, you probably aren't going to hear it. I didn't hear anything. And that shit, yeah, like it, it really resonated with me. Well, it resonated even more. We were running around taking pictures afterwards. And I see him with his mother. And that's it. 
No father. His fucking my uncle, as I guess you would call it. It's just it's weird even calling these motherfuckers like shit by relation because they ain't been shit to me for a long fucking time. Like the majority of my life, they ain't been a fucking a thing to me, like a, anything. You know what I mean? But it's just that you know, knowing that you're related and you're right fuck there. But um, to know that like what it means to me and how proud I am and all that and then just to look and to just know that this scumbag isn't even there for his fucking kid that did goddamn well for himself you know it's just it just shows that the tradition of my family being a bunch of ain't shit motherfuckers like that can that tradition is alive as a motherfucker on their end but you know I'll create my own path. And that's that's where change starts is, is with the family that I started. Myself, Nina, and these kids. And that's 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 where the love starts. That's where the genuine care about your fucking family starts. Because to, to stretch back and expect that from any of these fucking people is is bizarre. And it's just it's it's something that I'm not willing to to do anymore uh, i i stopped having expectations for people who can't meet them a long time ago because you know uh, but and the thing is is like it takes you a long while to come to grips with those things and i think that's that's where evolving comes into play because it's bigger than all this other little bullshit that we talk about on this show but if you can find a way to take things for what they are and just go, well, that's just going to be part of what brought me here. And now I can make my decision to go what direction I want to go to. You know, so many people let their entire fucking childhood ruin their life. I mean, you got to figure, I mean, what, what is that? 16 years, 17 years when we're talking about like real childhood. Cause you start to be, you know, half an adult once you're, you know, high teens, you know, you start to really function a lot more. You can start getting a job and doing this, you know? So when we're talking childhood, we're talking, you know, what teens, 16, 17. All right. You live 80 fucking years. Imagine your entire life, that entire 80 years, 60 plus years are based on the first 17 and the first 17 only. That's fucking deep. And to me, if you're evolved enough to start over at any given point and put yourself in a better light, put yourself in a better trajectory and not just be cornered into what made you, what this is, what that is, well, I'm because I went through this or because I went through, okay, Let's keep it hopping, though, because, you know, like even if the most important person in your life died, the, the importance needs to kick in. They gave you everything they gave you to, for you to feel that way about them when they left. And when they're gone, now you have to apply that to your fucking life and you need to do some big shit. And that's just what it is. I, I, you know, you, as soon as you start accepting defeat and it's all over because of my childhood or it's all over because this person isn't here or that person isn't here, you're done though. I mean, I, we don't get a second shot at this shit, so you got to get the fuck back up pretty, pretty early and often. 
Otherwise, they'll take you out. I mean, just open the fucking obituaries every single day. You see, this shit is at no shortage. No shortage of motherfuckers on that part of the paper. So, it's going to be what it's going to be, man. I'm going to try to do every fucking thing I can until I'm out. So, it's just a different ball game for me, you know? It's not what I was raised like. It's not, you know. And some of that shit, some of the things that make me greater are a product of, you know, how I was brought up the wrong way and all of that. But I'll take it for what it is. Whatever it is that brought me here, I'm just going to keep fucking smashing. So I think that I got everything. Uh, check out, I got your five stars. Check out Shaheen's various ventures. I think he's got a, um, a Patreon. Uh, you can check him out on the, um, you know, the commissions. Do some shit there. Um, what else I got? So check out Eric. Sozio just did a podcast. Check out Sozio. So, uh, struggling with Sozio. He just did a podcast with his with his girl. And, um, you know, they went over the, the death of her ex-husband. And, you know, pretty deep stuff. You know, broke down the whole incident and how it all went down and everything. So, you know, check him out over there. It's my dude. Uh, G's got signed on, uh, shit, I almost forgot. G's got signed on fucking, uh, NWA. So, motherfuckers on TV. Finally. Finally, he's on fucking TV. I don't know what the fuck took so long, but, hey, man. Keep giving that motherfucker airtime, and he's gonna make it money. So, that's all I got. Talk to you motherfuckers next week. Peace.